Lonely song, the songs for you. Let's talk about perfection. Today, perfection is defined as the condition, state, or quality of being free, or as free as possible, from all flaws or defects. That's literally the definition. Now, I don't know what you're thinking about that, but when I read that definition, I just had to laugh. I thought, this is such a beautiful, perfect, lovely definition for our era. It's perfect for our time. Modern language is being designed to define us. That's its purpose. It is being designed to define us. And this defines perfection in such an interesting way. The condition, state, or quality of being free, or as free as possible from all flaws or defects. As free as possible leaves ample room for flaws, <laughs> defects, and imperfections to satisfy the laziest and most neurotic of our species. It's just amazing to me that we are so, that when you look at it, we are so blatantly blind to this, that our language is defining us. And when I say defining us, what it's really doing is undefining us. It's like sweatpants on fat chicks. Oh, that was a horrible thing to say, I know. Or sweatpants on anybody. Why do people wear sweatpants? Well, because they stretch. And because if you eat too much, your jeans will be tight and you'll know you ate too much and you'll stop. And you'll think, oh, I've got to stop this. But sweats, you can just grow. You know, it's nice and comfortable. You can just grow. And so you look and you, and you see what people wear. And it's like, well, aren't you comfortable? Yes, comfortably round. Comfortably well-fed. Comfortably overfed. Comfortably stuffed. And so our language is like that. It, it's undefining us. It's, it's giving us room to grow. But it's not really growth. It's really spreading out. It's really just becoming softer and flabbier and fatter, not really leaner and more toned. This insipid definition removes the pressure of an absolute unyielding standard. At the same time, it assures that no one can or should stand above the rest. This is what we really like, a democratic idea that we dearly love these days. C.S. Lewis wrote of the word democracy in Screwtape Proposes a Toast. Screwtape is doing the talking, and he's talking to the, what is that they're called, uh, the students, the little devil students who are going to go out and, and mess with humanity. My dear Wormwood, so begins this product of C.S. Lewis' wickedly funny imagination and correspondence between two devils, Screwtape and his young nephew, Wormwood as the senior fiend advises his young apprentice in leading humanity astray. Lewis delves into questions about good and evil, temptation, repentance, and grace, offering knowledge and guidance to all who are trying to live good Christian lives. See, now that's pretty insipid, too. That's really not what Lewis was doing, but that's all right. It's that we pull the teeth out of almost everything. And the reason we pull the teeth out of almost everything is because reality bites. And we don't want reality putting the bite on us. We want to be comfortable. So we have definitions for perfection. So we look at something that has teeth, and this had teeth, and we pull a few of the teeth and say, oh, well, we just want to live good Christian lives. That's not going to offend too many people. At least it wouldn't offend too many people back then. Now it would offend more people. 
but then it wouldn't so much. C.S. Lewis died in 1963. Anyway, he wrote and he had screw tape say of the word democracy. They should never be allowed to give this word a clear and definable meaning. They won't. It will never occur to them that democracy is properly the name of a political system, even a system of voting, and that this has only the most remote and tenuous connection with what you are trying to sell them. Well, what is it that life is trying to sell us? That's really the whole idea. You are to use the word purely as an incantation, if you like, purely for its selling power. It is a name they venerate. And of course, it is connected with the political ideal that men should be equally treated. You then make a stealthy transition in their minds from this political ideal to a factual belief that all men are equal. Not a huge leap for most people. And the reason it's not a huge leap for most people is because we're used to making these incredible leaps. And the only place that you can make a leap like this is in your imagination. It's like that film, The Matrix, where these, they do the jump, and he's supposed to jump from one building to the other across this big. And it's all in his mind. But he can't do it. He can't imagine it. But we are so well trained in imagination that we can imagine it. We can imagine making these leaps without any difficulty at all. As a matter of fact, we don't even think about it anymore. We make these incredible leaps. The fact that you leap to the idea that you are one, that you're always the same, that you have one will, that you can do. What an incredible leap of imagination. That makes the leap in the matrix look like a hop across a puddle. The idea that we should be treated equally under the law has been slopped over in our minds to mean that we are equal. We're equal with Stephen Hawking. We're equal with Albert Einstein. We're equal with Mozart, Beethoven. We're equal with all these people. Well, you know, I could do what this guy did. I just haven't had the time to, you know, perfect it. But I could, I could do that. I'm equal with him. I'm as good as him. Isn't this really what we think? Isn't this really what our entire society is based on? This is a pernicious concept that undermines all that we could become with the absurd idea, I'm as good as you. I'm equal to you. I'm equal to all of those people. It's the union mentality that will allow the rise of a fellow only so high before cutting him down to size. Oh, you can progress, but only this far. And then you're going to have to be brought down. Excellence is sacrificed for the pleasant sensations of imagination. Yet perfection does exist as a standard, no matter how we deny it, ignore it, or redefine it as a toothless Twinkie. I know it's hard to believe that Hostess is going out of business, that they're going bankrupt, that there won't be any more Twinkies. But the mark that Hostess has left on our language will always be there. <laughs> this is part of the reason esoteric ideas fail to take root in most people and never bear the kind of fruit of which they are capable. How is it that people, that hundreds, that thousands of people can study this? And there's no change. There's no change in their life. They just become more self-absorbed, more arrogant. It's an amazing thing. I can't believe how many people I've met in this work who they're involved in the work and their spouse knows nothing whatever about it. 
and their thing is, well, the work says you're just supposed to keep it to yourself and not tell anybody else. Your own spouse, the person you're living with, you have to lie to them about it? I, I knew one man who lied to his wife. He said, well, it's just a meditation practice. It's not just a meditation practice. Well, maybe it was for him, but it's not just a meditation practice. And it's not, you're not supposed to lie about it either. It's a coward's way, is what it is. You could say a lot of things rather than just lie about it. But the truth is, is that esoteric ideas fail to take root in most people, never bear the kind of fruit they could bear, because this whole idea of perfection is something that's ambiguous to us now. It's something that, well, you know, perfection is the condition, the condition, state, or quality of being free or as free as possible from all flaws and defects. Well, I'm as free as possible from all flaws and defects, so that's good enough. I'm as good as you because I'm as free as possible from all flaws and defects. To simply hear esoteric ideas without trying to understand them makes it impossible for them to connect you, as you are, to that within you which is higher there is something in you that has a connection to the Absolute. It may be a very thin connection, but it is connected. And your connection to it is almost non-existent. The very fact that you are not perfect is what makes you a self-developing organism. If, you're as, <laughs> if you are as free as possible from all flaws and defects, and that's perfection, then you're the, you've arrived. That's it. There's nothing else for you to do. And do you see how vicious this is? How undermining it is? To all but the most lazy and neurotic, this is good news. Well, you only need to be as free as possible from all flaws and defects. You don't have to really be free from flaws and defects. Well, what's 100% pure? Well, there is no such thing as 100% pure. Even gold has on it 99.999% pure. It's not pure. There's no such thing as pure. You can't be perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. Well, that's true. There's no such thing as perfection if you're defining what perfection is. But perfection has already been defined. It's been defined by the Creator. Now, our job is to measure up to it. But you're not going to measure up to it with the idea that I'm as good as you and I'm as free as possible from all flaws and defects. Esoteric truth collides with the general worldview, and the latter is powerfully dominant. The general worldview is much more powerful in our working mind, meaning in the mind that we're using, in the world mind. It's much more powerful than esoteric ideas. Even though one idea has the power to change every human being, unless that idea is applied, it's nothing. It's like a match that doesn't get lit. Well, one match could set the entire world on fire, theoretically. But if that match never gets lit, then nothing happens. And what we are is matches that never get lit. We get these ideas, but we never light them. We never get a fire going inside. Or if we do, it's a pitiful fire. Sadly, few are able to escape the gravitational pull of the world view, embodied in the idea of false equality, like, I am as good as you. This is false equality. You are not as good as me. I can tell you a number of things. You are nowhere near as good as me. And there are things that you do that I am nowhere near as good as you. I am not as good as you. I'm not as good an electrician as him. 
I'm not as good at repair this or repair that as him. I'm not as good a beekeeper as you. I'm not as good a medical practitioner as you are. And it's just like, that's just the way it is. And then there are inner things too. I'm not as good at, at this as someone else, and someone else isn't as good at that as I am. That's the truth of life. And this work teaches that, the levels, the ladder, the scale of being. But we ignore that. And we keep going back to, I'm as good as you, I'm as good as you. We're all equal. We're all one. We all get the same vote. Everybody's vote counts the same. See, that's the democratic idea. And it should be kept in voting, not in living. Esoteric ideas say, no, you're not, but you could be. That's the difference. Life says, yes, 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 you're as good, that's fine, we're all equal. And then we have the Special Olympics. So the people who are, what? Challenged. challenged. Yeah, that's politically correct. Physically challenged now, can run around holding their fingers up saying, I'm number one, I'm number one. And thinking that they are as good as everyone else. I'm as good as you. Because now we have a special area for me to play in, and now I'm number one in this area. I'm as good as you. It's the reason we're down here on this planet, to mend our broken, fragmented selves, not to set up areas where we can say, I'm as good as you. I'm number one. You're not number one. And even if you are number one, being a big fish in a small pond isn't that hot. All you have to do to be a bigger fish is make the pond smaller until you're finally the biggest fish in the pond. And this is what we're doing. This is what grading on a curve is in school. The frightening truth is that life will not do it. Life will not mend our broken, fragmented selves. It will work against us at every turn by developing personality and false personality. It will develop personality. That's what life does. And false personality is not you. But life will never tell you that. Life will continue to tell you, no, you're that, you're this, this is what you are. This is I. The growth of what you are, essentially, is that with which esotericism concerns itself. It's not interested in this other stuff. We hear that life produces death, but we don't see it working in us. But it is working in us. Still, we envy those who have attained high rank, yet are dead inside. We do. We look at people. Look at the guy driving that Rolls Royce. It's like, wow. Or Connie saw somebody had a Cobra the other day. And said it was just like a 57 or a 60 or I don't know what it was. And she said it was just perfect. She said, wow, I'd like to have a car like that. And I said, really, would you like to put gas in it? <laughs> she said, you know, I thought about that. What would it cost to drive that around? It would cost a lot. Life as we know it is founded on the lie of the five senses. The essential part of you, being real rather than acquired, cannot grow from a lie. Life isn't going to grow what's real in you. It's only going to grow what's not real in you because it's not real. Because the life of the five senses is built on a lie. Having that car, not only will it not make you happy, it'll make you more miserable. Because now you have to put gas in it. Now you have to take care of it. Now you have to worry about every time you take it out, somebody stealing it, denting it, scratching it, running into it and what it would cost to fix it, and you can't get the insurance to cover it, because, and if you do get the insurance to cover it, then it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, because nobody wants to insure that, not for what it's really worth. And what is it really worth? Well, what you say it's worth. What other people say it's worth. What is it really worth? Well, in the big scheme of things, nothing. Absolutely nothing. But because 
we are attached to this world through the five senses. We don't believe that. What you really are is that with which you were born, not that into which you were born. For example, I knew someone who was born into a rich family, and that shaped him. He was shaped by that, by the amount of money that the family had, the amount of money that he was going to inherit, the amount of money that he had in his trust fund. He was shaped by that, not by these higher ideas. And so he lived a life of that, not a life based on these higher ideas. That is false personality. That never served him. What makes it so deadly? Everything of value is external and nothing internal is of any value because it can be glossed over with the external. You can pretend to be a really good person. You got a lot of money. You can pretend to be a really good person. Just be generous. Tip big. Leave a hundred dollar tip. I guarantee you They'll love you at that restaurant the next time you come in. They'll know you the next time. You, and they'll talk about what a great person you are. What a generous, kind, wonderful, good man you are. And all it takes is a hundred bucks. What a joke. And you can be a steaming pile of slag on the inside. And nobody cares in this world. Because we value what is valueless. And this is what makes all of this outer stuff deadly, because it kills us inside. All esotericism speaks of what is internal, not what is external. And it's only concerned with internal development. It doesn't care about your external development. It doesn't care. Are you a pauper? It doesn't care. Are you rich? It doesn't care. All it cares is, how could that be used to develop you internally? You can be the richest, most important man in life, and yet be dead from an esoteric point of view. If what you were born with, the real of you, isn't developed, then no matter what you attain externally, you're said to be dead. And you are. Dead inside yourself means nothing in you really changed inside. Nothing in your life was changed by your life. In other words, things happen to you, and you have a scar, or you have this, or you have that. But inside, you remain the same. You are unchanged. This is what it means to be dead. It means to be unresponsive internally to the opportunities that we have in life. It matters not what happens externally. If it doesn't develop you internally, it doesn't mean a thing. Nothing. Morris Nichols said, Essence can only grow through becoming more and more conscious of personality and gradually seeing what personality is in you. This is the only thing that esotericism is concerned with in personality, is observing it, becoming more and more conscious of it, because you must see what you are not, what you think you are, you are not. You've got to see it. If you're not conscious of something in yourself, you can't separate from it. How can you possibly separate from something that you don't know is there? You must see it first. And this is why you must see your personality. You must be able to get behind it and look at it. Because if you can't, you'll never be able to separate from it. This is why self-observation is so vital to esotericism. You'll not come to know what you are as long as you think you are what you are not. And what you are not is your personality. But what the world constantly reinforces, constantly, at every turn, reinforces that you are your personality. 
And it's a powerful force. That's why it's called the hypnotism of life. It's a very powerful force. You must observe what is not you. Personality. The world loves personality because it's the world's child. It's the world's creation. It loves personality the way you love your children. It made them. It brought them forth. It nourished them. It gave itself for them so that it will take care of them in their old age. It hates any usurper to the throne, which would be your essential being, and will undermine it at every turn. If you don't observe yourself and begin to see what you're like, you'll die in your lies, your pretense, and your airs. If you can't get behind the masks that you wear, you will never touch the truth. An essence can only grow from truth. See, what makes this so right is that it only grows in truth. All of this pretense will never make it grow. It will never nourish the real of you. It will only nourish the lies, the false, what is not really you. There are real parts of your personality, it's true, that can nourish essence. Not everything we get from life is rotten. That's the problem. We have to sort it out. We have to sort it out. For example, let's say one, someone is a good craftsman. Let's say they do something well. That can be part of your essence. That can go to nourish your essence. Now, it can just as easily go to nourish your personality by, oh, look at this, I can do this, and I'm better than you, and blah, 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 and it'll just as easily do that. But it can nourish your essence. We make essence grow by becoming more and more conscious of personality and seeing that it is not I. This seems so bizarre. Well, but how can I grow by seeing that that's not I? You do. You can and you do. And people who don't see it don't grow. And that's how that is. These false ideas of ourselves keep what's real about us from developing. We draw back from the death of the false and can't be reborn into what is real. It's painful to see that you are not what you thought you were. It's painful. You know this. And we draw back from that pain. We draw back from that death. People are unhappy because what they have invented about themselves isn't in harmony with what they are internally. This is very simple. We're out of sync. What you are inside and what you're pretending to be outside are different. The stress of holding up that pretense, the energy it takes, the thought, the internal consideration involved with it, the manipulation involved with it is just enormous. How can anyone be happy that way? So out of sync. Here you have a person with whom God speaks, but who is unable to turn away from judgment and gossip. Yet they keep bolstering what they aren't through personality. Proper self-observation will gradually show you what you are like. If you can bear it, you'll begin to disbelieve your ideas of yourself. You'll begin to disbelieve that you're this person who hears from God and is so well-tuned and is so smart and so good and so righteous and so holy. You'll begin to disbelieve this idea that you know all of the diagrams and you have this down and you know that better than that person and you've got all this knowledge and that makes you somebody. You begin to disbelieve that through self-observation. That's when something real can start to grow in you. In John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Yes, you're going to die. 
That's right. That's what esotericism is about. It's about your death, the death of the personality, the false personality. It's about making it passive. Making it passive is a nice way of saying killing it so that you can live, so that you, so that the real you can be born and begin to grow, can be reborn. You have to be reborn. It's the rebirth that esotericism talks about. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, unless this seed surrounding your essential self falls into the earth where it belongs, because it is of the earth, it falls into the earth and dies and goes back to the earth, you remain alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. There is a purpose for the personality. It has to die so that it can bear fruit. And the fruit that it will bear is the essential self, the true self. And then it can begin to grow. Then you can begin to start to develop along the lines that you're supposed to be developing, that you were created to develop as a self-developing organism. So no, you're not perfect. And you're not as good as him or her. And that's the good news. Because you can develop, you can work. You're not a best and matter. What's more?